Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. The one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. Well, thank you, Paul, very much for the introduction, and welcome, everybody, to this episode of Demand Gen Radio. In the episodes leading up to this, I talked about the key principles of lead management, and one of the principles I shared was the demand funnel, and that's the focus of today's episode. Every marketer has heard, unfortunately, at some point in their career that all their leads suck. At least I know I've heard that. I've actually heard it a few times, but one important experience that I remember was back at a company where we had just launched a bunch of campaigns and we were offering for the very first time a free trial of our product. And we launched this campaign and had a tremendous response. And when I say tremendous response, for us, that meant tens of thousands of people in the very first weeks signing up for the free trial. And I distinctly remember going over to our head of sales and saying to him, you know, just grinning from ear to ear, hey, Joe, what do you think? I mean, can you believe the campaigns? We are generating so many leads. It's awesome, right? And he looks at me and he says, you know, Dave, I hate to break the news to you, but I'm talking to sales and you know what? Those leads suck. And I was just stunned. Like I could not believe that that was the response when really I felt like a hero and was walking over there and and excited to share the results that I was watching and experiencing. And yet it was very different for sales. So why was that happening in this case? Well, for one thing, we were casting a very wide net. We had gotten databases and generated lists, very targeted lists of companies and individuals within the mortgage industry that we wanted to get the free trial of our product in front of. And there was a tremendous response. And the response came from many different personas. There were buyers, there were influencers, and there were users. Um, These were broker owners, so the heads of the mortgage corporations. There were loan officers, which were, you know, part of this influential and, and user community. And then there were loan processors who were the actual users of such a software system. And because, just like the shape of a pyramid, there were far fewer broker owners than there were loan officers, than there were processors, the majority of the people that were responding to the campaign were these processors, the end users, if you will. So when sales is seeing all these leads and the titles of these people coming in, they weren't questioning the accounts. These were actually target accounts for us, but they were a bit frustrated that the people, the bulk of the people responding were these processors. And so I circled back with Joe and I said, hey, Joe, I got an idea. It seems like when we talk about leads, there's this visceral reaction by sales. So why don't we come up with a common definition and let's not call everything a lead. He thought it was a great idea and we sat down and changed the language, changed the vocabulary that our team across sales and marketing was using. And that's really what the demand funnel is all about. So if you've gone through that experience or if you still are going through that experience, I want to encourage you, especially if you have a marketing automation and CRM system, because those are platforms that enable you to do this, that you implement 
the demand funnel. And like I said in my overview of the five principles, this term has many different terms. Like there's a demand funnel, which is what demand gen calls it. There's the demand waterfall, which is the term that serious decision uses it. And there's many other terms that have been used out there, but they all essentially mean the same thing. And what is that? So the demand funnel is a language for each stage of demand generation. And I'll run through six common stages with you in just a moment. But it's not only a language, it's actually a process model for how to, as I like to call, manufacture demand, the name of my book. It maps out each of the key stages that a prospect goes through from, let's call it, click to close. So why should I do this in the first place? Well, a couple reasons. Number one is changing the, lo- changing the vocabulary between sales and marketing reduces that friction from calling everything a lead. But more importantly, by operationalizing the demand funnel, you're going to be a better marketer because you are targeting your marketing efforts to these different stages. Other reason is there's now predictability and measurement in the funnel above the opportunity stages. So sales always has to maintain a sales funnel and they always need to track the number of opportunities they have, and the amount of revenue and the predictability around that. So it is your responsibility as a marketing team, especially in marketing operations, to craft a funnel that provides predictability and leading indicators to the inventory or the demand that you're generating before those end up as opportunities. So that's why we create a demand funnel. So what are some examples of stage names that are used? And I'll use the stage names that Serious Decisions often uses as their starting lexicon. So the top stage, there's many different terms used for the top stage, but the one that Sirius uses is the suspect stage. Okay, I like to think of it as the, the target market, if you will, or the total addressable market. This is the suspect pool. And these are people that you are adding to your database, but they have not responded in any way at all. The easiest way to think about them is if you're acquiring lists or acquiring names, those are suspects. They haven't raised their hand, they haven't responded, and you really don't know much about them other than the data that you collected through your list sourcing initiative. Very top, and you want that as wide as possible, and you're constantly um, adding more and more suspects. And if you're practicing ABM and other targeting techniques, the better your suspect pool is going to be, but in general, you do want that wide, especially if you're in a company in high growth mode or has lots of revenue to produce across lots of customers. The next stage underneath that is the inquiry stage. And the inquiry stage simply means that your suspects have raised their hand. They have responded to a campaign on some level. Now, if that campaign is for a free trial of your software product, they're probably more targeted. But if that response is to a piece of content that you're putting out there that may or may not relate to your product or service, Well, yes, they are an inquiry, but they're actually interested in the content. Don't know yet if they are interested in your product or service. So we've got to be careful about getting too excited, as I did, about the number of inquiries that we generate. I'm going to talk about lead scoring in a minute, but one of the things that I want to point out, in fact, there's a whole episode coming up on lead scoring, but the inquiry stage is the stage in which we absolutely have a lead score being assigned to that. Now, for those of you using predictive tools, 
and are sourcing through predictive tools, you may actually have scores for your suspect pool as well. But once that suspect pool enters your marketing automation system and you're campaigning to them, they would get scored if they respond, and an inquiry is essentially a low-scoring lead. It's a responder, but it's not necessarily qualified. And that's the next stage is the marketing qualified lead. So the marketing qualified lead, the difference between that and an inquiry is this responder has now met the criteria established between sales and marketing for the minimum qualification criteria. They both fit from an explicit perspective, meaning that they fit as a potential buyer of your product based on firmographic information and and likely some persona uh, information, but they also are engaging. So their interest score or engagement score is also at a level where those two meet and therefore high enough. And so the system, that being your marketing automation system, changes the status of an inquiry to an MQL. They have been qualified by marketing. They're a marketing qualified lead and ready to be handed off to sales. The next stage below MQL is the SAL the sales accepted lead. And if you can visualize as you're listening to this podcast that the MQL is like a baton and the baton is being passed to sales, then the sales accepted lead is when the baton has been accepted by sales. The next stage below that is a sales qualified lead. And I'll put in air quotes or opportunity. And the difference between an SAL and an SQL is that now an opportunity is being created inside of your CRM. So your customer relationship management system, which if it's Salesforce, which I think a lot of you have, you've now, sales has now created an opportunity and that sales accepted lead is now a sales qualified lead. And there's a big jump in uh, you know status between those two, right? Big difference, just like there was between your inquiry and MQL. And then the last stage is, is customer. And we all know what a customer is. So those six stages, suspect, inquiry, MQL, SAL, SQL, and customer. And if it feels like a little acronym soup, it's not meant to be so. The big takeaway is to define each one of those stages between sales and marketing, much like a manufacturing plant. Your raw of raw materials are your suspects, and your finished goods are your customers, and there are stages in the process in between. Okay, now let's talk about what to do next. So you've created this lexicon, you've defined each one of these stages. So what comes next? Well, there's many different steps for a successful demand funnel project. I want to run through them because declaring that you have a funnel, that's not enough. You actually have to operationalize the funnel inside your CRM and marketing automation system. So let's go through those six steps. Step number one is you've got to define the roles and responsibilities across sales and marketing for each of those stages. And I think it's pretty clear, obviously, that the suspect pool and the inquiry pool, well, those stages are probably owned by marketing. Unless you have a lead development team or a group that is targeting suspects and inquiries, and it is possible, actually, that those functions are within marketing as well, but whoever is responsible for going after these suspects and inquiries, that ownership needs to be defined, as well as for every other stage that I went through. And not only you need to define that that is the role and responsibility, but you want to further define what the SLA is, the service level agreement is 
um, at each one of these stages. I described to you the baton passing. So, right, so when a sales accepted lead is taken by sales, well, what is involved? What's the SLA? How fast do they respond to an MQL? How many touches and the type of touches? That's what it means to have blueprinted out these service level agreements. All right, I'm going to continue with the additional steps, but I want to take a very quick break. We'll be right back after this. Have you ever felt that you're not getting the most out of your marketing automation system? Well, you're not alone. But there is an answer, an award-winning agency called DemandGen that can not only get your team out of batch and blast mode, but turn your team into high-performance marketers that drive more revenue and have the kind of results you're looking for. They also have a marketing dashboard to show it. Experts in Marketo, Eloqua, Salesforce, and dozens of other top marketing technology the folks at DemandGen have helped hundreds of the top marketing teams around the country, and they can do the same for you. So stop feeling stressed. Check out their services at DemandGen.com, just like it sounds, DemandGen.com. And while you're there, be sure and visit their resource section, which is chock full of videos, free templates, and downloadable guides, all of which will help you be a better marketer. If you need a team that will get you to the next level, there's one waiting they're just a click away. DemandGen.com. Have you ever wondered if there's a great book on modern marketing? Well, there is, and it's called Manufacturing Demand. It's written by modern marketing guru David Lewis. It's the number one book on lead generation, and guess what? It's yours for free today as a DemandGen radio listener. In the book, David teaches you how to create your demand factory, how to align sales and marketing, how to set up your demand funnel, and he provides you blueprints of the best practices for lead scoring, lead nurturing, and marketing analytics. Plus, the book Manufacturing Demand gives you plenty of actionable tips and recommendations, as well as real-world case studies for how leading companies like yours are achieving tremendous results applying these principles. As a Demand Gen Radio listener, you can download a free copy today, manufacturingdemand.com forward slash VIP. Don't wait. Grab your copy today. Just go to manufacturingdemand.com forward slash VIP. Or you can pick up a hard copy, Amazon.com or other fine booksellers, by searching for the book, Manufacturing Demand. All right, and we are back. So what else? I already talked about the step that involves the definition of each stage, and I gave you some sample definitions. So we've covered so far step number one is the roles and responsibilities along with the SLAs. You want to also have clear definitions for each stage. The other step is to make sure that you have stage names inside and outside the funnel. And what I've been doing is sharing with you stage names that represent inside the funnel stages, but if you think about it, there is recycling, and there is a disqualification stage that also should be defined. We'll cover more of that in just a moment. Continuing on with the steps, you want to create a blueprint for how to operationalize the funnel. And when my consulting team and services team works with our clients and walks them through these six steps, we hand back a document that details out the roles and responsibilities. It details the SLAs, definitions for every stage name, but it also blueprints how the funnel operates, how 
each one of these stages are activated and moved so that when we go to implement it in the marketing automation and CRM system, which is the next step, there's literally a document that blueprints how it works. Super important. The last step is that your demand funnel has measurement and forecastability to it. Okay, Why are we doing this in the first place? We talked about some of the benefits from it before, but I also want to add in that by having a demand funnel, now marketing has an inventory management system for the demand that they're generating. And you know, in that system, you can measure things like volume and velocity. You also have predictability now, right? If the company is dependent on sales and marketing for growth, and they already know sales is pipeline and the predictability around that, how each rep, how much revenue each rep has when it's forecasted to close, that's always been uh, the responsibility of sales. Now marketing has a funnel, a shared funnel, uh, extended funnel, if you will, and now we in marketing have measurement criteria for the inventory levels of each stage and the velocity and the movement there within. So very empowering capability of marketing now to show leading indicators and the volume and velocity of pipe. And that puts marketing even more in the position of being able to show their contribution to revenue. So I've been talking about these lead stages, and I do want to break down a little bit of the anatomy of a stage and and really what's involved in a stage definition. Well, I just hit on the first element, and that is the actual definition. These are the, the attributes of the prospect or customer within that stage. So I described an inquiry and said specifically what that was. The other element that you want to have captured in your blueprints is who the owner of that stage is. And I mentioned that just previously as well. Like who's the primary owner of the records in this stage? Is it marketing? Is it sales? Which department has ownership? And by defining ownership, then that team knows that they need to target their efforts to move that inventory to the next stage. If you think about a manufacturing plant, it's much easier to visualize that, hey, this inventory bin, that's owned by this person, this function. They have responsibility for nurturing or targeting or marketing, reaching out to those folks and moving them to the next stage of the buying process. They also own the content that is going to be used uh, for them. So that's important ownership statusing right the disposition of a customer within this stage what's the lead status and you must in your marketing automation and crm system create a field that has the status values for each of these stages and if they're out of funnel stages like recycled then you also probably want to have a feel for the reason it's been recycled. And some of those reasons are very valuable because if you're tying nurturing, which I'll also cover in another episode of Demand Gen Radio, if you're tying nurturing to certain stages, then having the reason that it was recycled provides a lot of value in what nurture it can go into. You also, in your stage definitions, want to document what the exit criteria is, which is basically the rule that is used to determine whether that customer or you know lead, I'll use generically, has met the qualification to enter the next stage. So the example I gave before is that the difference between an inquiry and an MQL is a lead score. So the exit criteria, if you will, whether an inquiry moves to an MQL is based on the lead score, right? So we're really documenting and blueprinting out how something moves from one stage to another. For example, the exit criteria of an MQL to recycled 
would come from a sales rep, right? If the sales rep accepts the lead, it moves to sales accepted. And if it moves to recycled, it's because it's been manually often status that way by sales. Now, some of our clients implement recycling rules and systems so that if a lead is untouched for a certain period of time or decays and is not adopted by the owner, then it is recycled automatically using recycle programs. And so it's very important to determine the exit criteria because that helps determine how something can move from one stage to another, whether it's manual, automated, and which department. I already talked about SLAs, but that is part of the anatomy of a stage definition, which is what is the policy or procedure for managing response times from the handoff of these various stages. We've got to have that documented out. And then the last, if it's applicable, is an uh, expiration rule. And I kind of touched on that in the exit criteria, but you may want to call out specifically an expiration rule, which is, you know, allowing the business to remove a prospect from a given stage because there's been no engagement either by the owner or a lack of further engagement by that prospect or customer. And I keep saying prospect or customer because a lot of these concepts, when we talk about a demand funnel, is associated with the upper funnel, with net new business. But there really is no reason that you can't have a funnel for your lower funnel as well, a demand funnel for the lower funnel, which is customer adoption. All right? So those are some of the anatomy uh, elements of, of your stages, and you want to make sure that you blueprint that out as well. I mentioned the recycle and DQ stages, and those are often overlooked stages, meaning that companies that are implementing some type of funnel forget about those stages, and they're really critical. Why are they so critical? Well, because if you think about manufacturing a finished good, like a real finished good, you put in your raw materials, and then the raw materials get manufactured into the finished good, and only the part that's cut off you know, like if you're if you're making boxes and you're cutting the boxes, there's a bunch of scrap that is created during the manufacturing process. It's a very small percentage. If you're trimming rock, granite, whatever you're manufacturing, there's going to be waste, and it's a small percentage. The exact opposite is true when you are manufacturing customers, right? If you are generating demand at the top of the funnel, a very small percentage actually becomes closed one. And that's why it's so critical to have out of funnel stages like recycling or disqualification because so much is going to go into those stages. And so working with sales to teach them in the CRM how to disposition something as recycled or disqualified is absolutely critical. So bunch of different in-funnel stages, out-of-funnel stages, and a really strong set of documentation uh, to blueprint all this out. I want to come back to some of the impact points of, of the funnel because the power of the funnel, as I said, comes from you know serving as a process model, but it also comes as a system for lead management and an inventory system, and it provides all that measurement and predictability. Think about this. Picture your systems being properly created with each of these stages. Think about creating filters or segments in your database or reporting that tells you how much inventory, how many records you have in each stage. 
Think about the power of that in your marketing database, not having to have everything be considered either a customer or non-customer or a lead or not a lead, but actually dicing up your database into these different stages and being able to measure the inventory level. So the volume in each stage is an absolute critical measurement and really very powerful numeric for you so that you can see. I mean, if you are trying to get X number of customers, wouldn't you need Y number of MQLs? And once you start knowing what the conversion rates are, think about the power that your sales and marketing team has in terms of the predictability of revenue. One of the other measurements that you get from having a demand funnel operationalized is you're going to learn velocity. How fast does something move from one stage to another? And in, you know, sales teams often map out and blueprint what the Days sales outstanding and what the sales process is. Marketing should have the same type of uh, rigor in determining how things should move for stages. And that's when it might give you insight to adding an SDR team or adding more nurture programs to try and accelerate the movement from inquiry to MQL to SAL and how, how long things stay as MQLs before they're picked up by sales. And then last is predictability. We've been working very closely with Salesforce and some of their new predictability technology. And we have a whole host of uh, predictive partners that we work with. And it's amazing to see the amount of precision these days that is coming out in terms of predictability. Uh, for example, Salesforce is working on their Einstein tools, and we've been working very closely with them on their betas uh, to take a look at how just predictable the funnel is going to get across sales and marketing. And the next couple of years is going to be very exciting, but you've got to have this stuff in place or those tools don't work. You won't have them available to you. You've got to operationalize a funnel. You've got to be really good about opportunity tracking. All right, before we conclude this episode, I just want to touch on the implementation. I, I talked a little bit about that you need to implement this in your MA and CRM system, but I got to tell you, most organizations have never done this before. And depending which marketing automation system you have, that may be more or less easy. So choose wisely when you get your marketing automation system. Uh, if you have one of the leading ones, I have no doubt that you can implement this model because we've done it hundreds of times. Um, but you've got to really blueprint out, like I said, and then have the know-how, have the expertise to implement these fields and the algorithms and all the, the systems. And we're going to get to lead scoring in an upcoming episode because lead scoring plays a critical role in moving things from stage to stage, as does nurturing. That is why we'll cover that. That's going to conclude us for this episode. If you want to learn more about the Demand Funnel, definitely go search Google for Demand Funnel or visit demandgen.com and read some of the content that we have that's free for you and downloadable. You can also always download a copy of my book and uh, dig into Chapter 4. And if you want to get a soft copy, just go to manufacturingdemand.com. Well, that's going to conclude this episode of Demand Gen Radio. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget to tell your colleagues and other people about the channel so they can get educated along with you. Thanks, and have a great day. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.